Molo Samanani Hello House. Hello Welcome to the to Big the Daddy Liberty Show. It is a Friday. You know Friday, what it means. You know what it means your means favorite your fat boy and classical and liberal, liberal is on your on radio waves. Good morning, guys. I know there's guys, a little bit of feedback that will clear up in a moment. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is a Friday morning, as I said. Remember, the Big Daddy Liberty Show, the podcast, comes to you every Friday here, syndicated here on Chai FM and hopefully on more radio stations soon. But it's good to have you guys on uh, and listening uh, live to the show. I have a very jam-packed show for you today which, of course, will be podcasted later and available on all your favorite podcast streams and, of course, on the BDL Facebook and YouTube page. So um, you, you can look forward to that a little later. Um, I have a very interesting show for you today. It's mostly just analysis, analysis, analysis. You know, as we look at the news week, really, that was... Um, and we zoom in on some of the top issues, perhaps, um, that dominated the Newsweek. Uh, but before I get into any of that, a quick reminder that this show is brought to you in conjunction with Chai FM um, and the Big Daddy Liberty Show. And uh, I just want to thank them, because uh, I haven't in a while, thank them for availing their space to me. As always on the show, uh, we begin by looking at the news week that was, a little bit of analysis as to the headlines, what you read, uh, what made you angry, what's topical right now. Um, and hopefully in future I'll be able to bring in uh, some, some interaction with you as the viewers, either on through my social media, which you can do already right now, by basically tweeting me on at Big Daddy Liberty uh, on Twitter, or you can even send me a Facebook message um, by just going to the Big Daddy Liberty page, and you can uh, get your comments in, and I'll read them on air. Um, so as always, as I say, we begin the show by looking at the news week that was. Have a brief little chat around what I think the top issues were and why they are significant. And, you know, maybe a bit of analysis from my side on those. And of course, um, after the first break, which will be in a minute or so, uh, we have our guests today. Today I have two guests, uh, two guys who are also YouTubers uh, in their own right. Joe Emilio from The Joe Emilio Show. We'll have him after the break. And of course, Jimmy Ramachopa, who is a regular on the Big Daddy Liberty Show online. Uh, he's also a, a, a YouTuber and really someone who I think you will be very interested in hearing some of his views, very diverse views today. Um, and we'll have a conversation just on the news week that was and some of the big news items. In particular, we're going to dwell on the issue of ESCOM and uh, the pressure that was mounted on the president for him to go to level two. So you can look forward to that conversation after the break. And as always... After the interview, we'll end the show by looking at who the Moomish of the week is. Um, <laughs> so you can look forward to that. Um, that will wrap up the show. So let me go to my first break. After that, uh, let's have a chat on the news week that was. Guys, welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show. Um, yeah, as I said before the break, we always begin the show by looking at the news week that was really, you know, some of the things that maybe I covered on the show. Remember, you can watch the Big Daddy Liberty show on all your favorite uh, social media outlets. Just go to Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube and um, hit that link, like button, and that subscribe button so you can always catch the show every Wednesday and Sunday. Um, this week is a particularly interesting one for me. Because to a large extent, I feel as though, and where do I begin this? Because 
you know, obviously the news items that dominated the week was the, the breaking news. Um, and again, based on media reports, <laughs> um, by News24 primarily, that after a meeting on Sunday, the president of this country literally heard an overwhelming majority of arguments from within government and different spheres of government for there to be a loosening of lockdown regulations. Uh, in other words, a move to, uh, in inverted commas, level two. And of course, the removal of these arbitrary, and really they are arbitrary, regardless of the feigned arguments around them, the arbitrary restrictions on tobacco and liquor in this country. Now, you'll know that last week on the BDL show, I had a conversation with um, you know, two people who are in both of those sectors. That is, uh, you know, a tobacco farmer, that's Herman Ruiz, if you remember that conversation, and Natasha Zitzman, who is a liquor trader. And both of those individuals ably and rightly detailed the absolute misery, the absolute untold pain, of what it means to have a politician almost in a populist manner with a single stroke of a pen implement an arbitrary ban like the one we have seen with, uh, you know, the alcohol and, and liquor. Excuse me, alcohol and uh, tobacco. And we've seen the, 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 the economic cost and really the social cost too that has come with that. So it was very interesting then to read this, this news piece by News24 suggesting that at this meeting... Different levels and different spheres of government um, on the National Command, Co National Coronavirus Command Council and some other joint operation, blah, 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 you know, government and their acronyms, basically with, in unison said, look, we're struggling to justify these decisions to our constituents. Like, we, we're not able to actually describe in real terms, in a lucid, rational way, what the real basis of these bans and restrictions are. And that is a very powerful point for someone to get to in government, especially when for the past 130-something days now of lockdown, they've been with a hard-headed approach suggesting that they know exactly what they're doing and that they're in control. It tells you a story, and I asked the question in my vlog this week, this is vlog 43, which you can catch on the YouTube channel, I ask the question, is the political pressure, rather, beginning to tell a story um, that, that is prompting uh, ANC politicians in government to now act on, uh, on this issue? In other words, is a politician, because remember, a politician's sole uh, considerations, really, are two things. Number one, the acquisition of power at all costs. The acquisition of power at all costs. And number two, the retention of power at all costs. And those two things often mean that service delivery and being of service to your fellow man can sometimes even be secondary, if not incidental, because the acquisition and retention of power becomes the sole goals of a politician. And it's on that basis that I ask the question, are we therefore seeing really moves in this direction only because the politicians are facing a threat to those first two things. In other words, acquiring power and really retaining that power. Because it, it cannot be denied, and I think it would be, it'd be foolhardy to continue trying to deny that there hasn't been a political fallout for the ANC as a government, um, you know, given, given the, these, these bans and really beyond the bans, how South Africans as citizens have been treated throughout this lockdown people being beaten up in the streets, images, initially at least, of soldiers again on our streets, reminiscent of the apartheid days and the states of emergency. 
it cannot be said that any, none of this will have a, an impact on, on the electorate. And there are fears, therefore, um, an article I read on the, on the Daily Friend website, remember, dailyfriend.co.za, where it argued and it just demonstrated that there is a, 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 a movement by ANC politicians and EFF politicians to even postpone, perhaps, the elections. And I ask myself, could that be because there is a recognition that the ANC may very well not find itself being as popular uh, as it thinks it is in the next election? Perhaps if it'll struggle to bring out ANC voters. I asked this question in a vlog because it's, it's, it's important things that we need to think about as South Africans generally. And in more broad terms, as South Africans, leaving aside all the politics, we need to ask ourselves going forward, what sort of relationship do we really want with the state? How can we revolutionize, and I, I don't mean that in, in terms of taking to the streets and you know, burning things and you know, don't think French revolution, but rather intellectual revolution in this country around the political culture. How do we revolutionize that where we actually return the state to being a servant of the public and not a tyrant or a beast that controls uh, us as citizens? That's a question I think that, you know, even as I, I sit here on radio and I talk about this, I think everybody, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum and really regardless of who you vote for, because I, I, be, I couldn't care less about that, but what I do care about is what we united as South Africans view as the political culture of our society. Does it lean on the side of liberty and freedom where it is the individual? And really, I talk a lot about the individual. Really, we're a family society. But does it lean on the side of families being the most important centerpiece of society? Or does it continue on the current traje traje trajectory Excuse me, that, that has endured since apartheid and even colonial days, where it is the state that is elevated to being the most important um, centerpiece of society? And the consequences of that can be rather atrocious. That's the question I think I was left with in terms of my, my looking at the Newsweek generally and and maybe assessing the, the overall impact of it. Um, excuse me, the overall impact of the Newsweek given where we are as South Africans. Because then you begin to understand why. If you answer the question of who you value in a society, do you value uh, the individual and families or do you value government? You then begin to understand uh, when you view things in that context, why things maybe go badly as they do. For instance, with ESCOM, the absolute decay of ESCOM, where in the one hand, we're hearing in media reports that we might be moving to level two, and then almost instantly, <laughs> and rather amusingly, ESCOM then pipes in and says, well, actually, how about I move you guys to stage two? <laughs> Load shedding. Um, I mean, I giggle about this, but really, there's actually really nothing funny about this. Food for thought, dear listener, food for thought. Um, and we're going to pick up this conversation really more with my two guests. Uh, you know, we'll just chew the fat on this wonderful Friday on Erev Shabbos. Um, after the break, Jimmy Ramachopa and Joe Emilio will join me on the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show. Um, as I mentioned before the break, I'm just going to establish my guests on the line. I can see Jimmy is on. Um, Jimmy, good morning, my brother. How are you doing? Good morning, I'm well, thanks, and how are you? Excellento. Jimmy, just as a, uh, a, a note, you can actually turn off the video function because um, that will improve okay. the sound quality. So let me just check if I have Joe on the oh. line. Joe, good morning. Are you on the line with us? 
Joe, good morning. All right, we, we, we seem to not have Joe on the line, but that's quite fine. Um, Jimmy, Yazi, I was, I was setting up uh, before the break that, you know, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to have the two of you, and I, I'm sure we'll keep trying get, to get Joe on. I wanted to have the two yeah. of you on the show because I think it's important for us to just, you know, for a change, unpack the Newsweek um, and really provide some analysis from very different perspectives. You know, all three of us, uh, once we have Joe, <laughs> um, come from very different perspectives on issues. But I think we're very conscious, nonetheless, on not only um, the particular issues that we'll discuss, for example, ESCOM, um, you know, uh, 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 oh, excuse me, I lost my train of thought for a second, um, you know, f- f- from issues such as ESCOM and the hearing now that, uh, according to news reports that, that broke yeah. on Wednesday, that we might be heading, or rather, that Cyril Ramaphosa was told by cabinet and the various structures, including the NCCC, <laughs> um, that you know he was told to basically move to level two and lift these bans on things. That there's an overall sentiment to these things, isn't there? Um, so let me begin here. Let me put it to you this way: uh, before we get to, let me let me before we get into the nitty gritties, Jimmy, I've always said that, that there is a an almost a, a, a depression. That has uh, a depression that is is has set on the country. There's an, an almost negative energy that sets in. What's been your read as we now sit at 130 something days of the lockdown? Well, in my in my opinion, I think that um, the inevitable is happening. Uh, the government is probably running out of money. They're running out of plans. Uh, I think the tiers that um, the tier scheme, the UIF scheme, is running out. Uh, so it's becoming clear that um, they have literally no control of what's happening with regards to trying to stabilize the economy uh, post-lockdown. And it's not surprising that now uh, more of the people within the ANC are seeing this reality and hence pushing uh, for a less restrictive economy. Um, I mean, like uh, the, the, the UIF thing was only meant to go, to go on for only three months. Mm. So um, a, lot of, a lot more people are becoming hungrier. And I think uh, the chickens have come to roost in this case. I, I would agree with you on that. And, and uh, as I say that, I'm, I'm uh, happy to announce that uh, Joe Emilio has joined us. Uh, we're having a bit of technical glitches uh, early on. Joe Emilio, of course, yeah. is a stand-up comedian based in Cape Town. He's been performing comedy for about 10 years, um, you know, uh, all around Cape Town. Um, and uh, he's an, a YouTuber. He's someone who I think you can catch on, on the show, and you must watch his show, please. That's Joe Emilio uh, on YouTube. Uh, Joe, welcome to it. How are you doing, man? I'm good, Zizikli. How are, how are you, man? Uh, it's good to chat to you again. Thanks for having me. Awesome, my brother. And, you know, as I, as I set out before you joined us, that, you know, we, we're just going to have a, 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 if I can call it a lazy Friday off morning chat, if anything. Um, let's call it the morning breakfast chat, if anything. Um, <laughs> you know, looking at the news week that was and maybe dwelling on a few areas. And, you know, the, the question I posed to Jim, and I also want you to weigh in on it, is, you know, it, it, it does seem, because Jimmy's in Johannesburg, and uh, Joe, you're here in Cape Town, but it does mm. seem that there's, there's an almost collective depression that has set into the country, isn't there? As we said on 130 plus days of, of lockdown, what's your view uh, been on this? Um, okay, well, first off, let me say hi to Jimmy. Uh, nice to, to meet you as well, Jimmy. Um, I, I've i noticed, yeah, there's been a definite 
change in atmosphere, if I can put it that way, throughout the lockdown. Um, you know, everybody at the beginning was like, yeah, let's do this and well done and woohoo and we're, 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 we're getting on top of this. And then you just saw a shift midway. Uh, and I think people are very frustrated, angry. Uh, the more we're, we're stuck at home, the more we're, we're seeing or watching the government doing what they're doing. And it's clear that they... They're, like Jimmy just mentioned, you know, they, they can feel they're losing uh, control. I mean, let's be honest for a second. Um, there's, I, I've been driving around, you know, going to the shops and stuff like that when I need to. There's no lockdown, to be honest. Like, there's no one's listening to it. There's people, there's kids playing uh, soccer. There's, there's no social distancing, uh, except for when you're in a mall or in a shop where obviously it's, it's regulated. Uh, but for the most part, I see people driving, doing their own thing. Uh, no one's really listening. And I think in, in the article, it even stated, like, <laughs> people are still smoking. People are still drinking. It's, it's, it's ridiculous now, and, and it needs to stop. We need to get this economy back online. That's right. And maybe let me zoom in on the issue, because, again, the basis of, of my Vlog 43 on the show this week was exactly this, you know. Um, there was a report in one of the newspapers in this country. I won't name it. Um, that, you know, the big headline was, you know, breaking. Uh, Cyril Ramaphosa told to end the ban on alcohol, end the ban, uh, lifts rather the ban uh, on alcohol and uh, cigarettes and move to level two of the lockdown. This is according to sources in this particular mm. report. And of course, some of the arguments made um, alleging what was said in a meeting on Sunday, you know, with all the head honchos in government, you know, with the various constituents in government, you know, tourism, police, and, you know, you name it, guys, basically saying two basic arguments, uh, according to this report. Number one, they are struggling to justify this lockdown and its rules to their constituents. Um, that, was the, that was a very telling argument because it seemed as though the feedback loop was one where, you know, the state says one thing um, and industry and really sec uh, stakeholders in society argue what's the rationale for this. And then there's a struggle, of course, from, by, by the state. Uh, to 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 um, describe the reasoning behind this, which is a big problem for a government, because you know the constitution basically argues that all decisions made by the state must be rational and fair. Um, that was the first thing I really picked up, and I want you guys to chip in just now on that. But the second was this idea that in. Uh, uh, according to the, the, the sort of justice cluster, let me just actually quickly open this article so I can almost quote it because uh, we have a little bit of time, guys. Uh, no need to uh, rush. Um, you know, the, the other one was the, uh, this group called the Forum of South African Directors Generals, FOSAD, which basically argued that, you know, in real terms, if we look at the, the work that the police and the defense department are saying, no one's actually adhering to this, as Joe was saying. <laughs> um, in fact, the quote here is, it was argued that the economy, open quote, is mostly open, so we have to look at the other remaining sectors. Uh, when, we're meet, uh, when we are in meetings with sectors, it continues to say, we can't justify the ruin of the economy, close quote. And this is according to a government insider. And of course, the security cluster is basically saying, you know, trying to police cigarettes and alcohol and this stuff, um, you know, there was an acknowledgement that these restrictions just didn't work. Um, guys, let me, let me come to you on this one. There's two broad things I want you to opine on. Jimmy, I'll, let me begin with you. you I made a point yeah. in Vlog yeah. 43 where I said you can't have years upon years, 26 years of eroding institutions like the police and the army and then expect those same eroded institutions to enforce something as restrictive and as almost authoritarian as a lockdown. It, it, it simply didn't work, did it? People were just breaking the law anyway. 
Look, uh, by default, um, the rule of law and South Africa are things that don't necessarily uh, work well together or don't happen together. Um, I also quoted a, a rather different article to that one that you that you that mm-hmm. you've just mentioned, where a group of investigative journalists actually went to the township and actually started uh, trying to find out where people get their cigarettes, where people get their alcohol. And it came out from the ground that some of um, the trade has police officers involved in it. <laughs> so some sometimes when they need transportation, they use one of the police vans to transport the alcohol <laughs> or the cigarettes. Wow. But, 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 but another thing, another important thing to note is that when, when the illegal trade of cigarettes started, you, 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 you'd buy a cigarette for about 20 rent a pop. Uh, it then went down to 10 rand a pop. Mm. Right now, in the black market in, in the townships, it's going for 4 rand a pop. Wow. So what mm. does that say? It says that uh, the demand, even though it's, 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 it's uh, I mean, the, the demand is high and there are more competitors in the game. That's right. So now you have a, a, a huge supply of illegal cigarettes in the market. So eventually, the price of a cigarette will probably reach the same amount that you get the legal route. Absolutely. And on top of this, mm. yeah, and, and on top of this, not only is it a growing uh, industry from 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 empirical evidence, it's an industry that doesn't pay tax. Mm. So, mm. which then reinforces the whole argument that banning cigarettes is a complete waste of time and money. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree, and I, I want to pass it to you, uh, Joe, because uh, again, it's it's the prohibition argument, isn't it? You know, um, and I've had the show on on you know on, on the YouTube channel um, where we argued, rightly so, looking at the record of history, that you, you simply, as a government, cannot prohibit things that people in a society view as being ordinary and mundane um, and and essential to their everyday life. It's impossible to ban those things. Uh, America found that out in the twenties with, with the mm. alcohol prohibition. Do I know maybe weigh in on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's. Um, <laughs> I mean. It, Anytime you make something illegal that people are used to having, people are going to find a way to to cheat the system or find a way to get it. And and this lockdown proves it. You know, oh, the government can can flex their muscles all they want, but at the end of the day, people are finding a way to either make alcohol or buy alcohol. They're finding a way to make cigarettes or sell cigarettes, buy cigarettes. It's the same thing. I was even chatting to a police officer, who I will not mention the name, but... Um, I was chatting to a police officer as well, and he told me that the police don't even arrest you anymore if they catch you with cigarettes. Like, they don't care. Uh, Because a lot of them are smokers as well, and they just kind of, you know, go somewhere in a corner, they have a quick cigarette, and then they get back to work. Um, They really themselves are not even enforcing that ridiculous uh, ban on 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 cigarettes. So yeah, it's not surprising to me what Jimmy said as well about about the police officers. And going back to the whole prohibition thing, um, look, I think I think the government's also running out of things to ban. To be honest, I'm surprised they didn't. I wish they would have banned Crocs. That would have been amazing and and, uh, and would have made sense. Um, but no, they're banning things that uh, you know. Again, they can't hold up the evidence. I mean, the court case uh, when when they were talking about the ban on cigarettes, they said, um, "Well, after a few days, your lungs start to repair themselves, so it's good for it's good for people." That's just that's just incorrect. That's mm-hmm. scientifically incorrect. Your lungs don't start to 
to heal themselves until about eight, nine months later of non of not of not smoking at all. You know, my my wife is a is an ex smoker and and only started to feel almost normal a year after she was done uh, smoking because she used to smoke like two bucks uh, a day and this was like two years ago. Sure. Um, so you know, it's astounding to me that the government is getting away with saying such lies. And I don't know who these scientists are. I don't know where where these scientists come from uh, with these uh, experiments that they've done uh, claiming that, you know, oh, well, if you're one day sober from cigarettes, then, you know, you're, you're healthy now. <laughs> well, it, it, the irony is, um, uh, uh, Joe, just to make that your, your point even more salient, is that it does seem that even the scientists who government had brought on initially as being their go-to for uh, supposedly advice, you know, the likes of Abo, Professor Glenda Gray, etc., are actually distancing themselves from the decisions mm. that are now being taken by politicians. Uh, you know, today's major headline is, you know, um, uh, and I'll just read the headline. Unequivocally, it says, as a pre- pediatrician and a parent, I believe schools should be open. That's Professor Glenda, Glay, um, Glenda excuse me, Gray um, in, in, in the newspapers this morning. Again, underpinning, Jimmy, doesn't it? That it seemed as though the, the, uh, from, from initially there being a, 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 a common purpose, if you will, a unity of purpose, Ever increasingly, uh-huh. the, the, the rift grew wider and wider and wider between what the politicians wanted and you could see their agenda versus what the science says and really who we are as a, as a society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jimmy, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, I was, I was just going to agree with that and, and just say, and, and it, just, it just points out to the, the quality of leadership that we have in, the, in, in our country. Uh, just to something interesting about the the one of the reasons why uh, they chose to to ban cigarettes was mm-hmm. uh, a recommendation from the World Health Organization, mm. and I actually had a look at some of the reasons that were stipulated there. Sure, they they did mention the dangers of smoking, but they didn't uh, have a direct link between the dangers of smoking and banning it, and how it would actually uh, help us in the long run, and. Because that on its own was a weak argument, uh, the, you could see that they were trying to, um, to scramble for other arguments. And the other argument, that a poor argument that came out of the World Health Organization was that um, when you smoke, there's a chance of you transferring um, a potential virus from your hand to your lips and ultimately into your system. Yeah, when you zone. And it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 uh, not from Zoli. <laughs> you'd actually, it, it's actually ridiculous that mm. they even have like an infograph about it showing someone's fingers going close to the mouth and that being the potential danger and that being the whole reason of uh, prohibiting uh, 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 cigarettes. It's actually ridiculous. Hey, yeah, the, the quality and the level of logic. Uh, uh, um, imposed on that and and that actually speaks a lot to to the quality of leadership that we have mm. by, by 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 simply um going with such a low level of logic to justify something that cripples a huge uh, rather a significant part of the economy mm. is really worth um um uh, uh considering you know? no, guys yeah. I, I fully agree and i'll come to you just now uh, um uh, uh, Joe, sorry, um, you know, but like, the, <laughs> just to maybe you know echo and agree with Jimmy's point around just the the, the insulting, the actually rather insulting 
um, of our intelligence by the state. You know, it went to great lengths to piece together like these theories. You know, there's this meme on social media of this guy, you know, sort of standing in front of a graph with string all over and maps and, you know, he has this sort of wild look of like, you know, <laughs> the grand plan type look. Um, and it almost felt like, you know, we, we have politicians who are, have firmly started to believe their own lie, that South Africans are just dumb um, and that you can just tell them any story and we accept it. And I think it's mm. that panic then, the moral panic also by politicians when they realize that South Africans aren't accepting us and really um, that they've eroded as politicians their authority over people when people are just openly disobedient as, as they are. Uh, and again, I don't say that as a judgment on the people. It's not an indictment on the people. The people haven't done wrong, anything wrong. Um, but you then get this moral panic. Guys, just a quick note. Um, I have to take a break in a minute or so, um, but we will, I will bring you guys back on for another 10 minutes just as we close the conversation and I want to ask a few things. I am in conversation with Ujimi Ramachopa, who's the founder, of course, of the CoLab movement and Politrix SA. You can check him out on social media. And of course, Jimmy, uh, excuse me, uh, Joe Elliott. I've got two J's on the show today. Uh, Joe Emilio, excuse me, who is also a YouTuber and someone who I think you should check out. Please look out for the Joe Emilio show online. A quick break, and then I come back with these gentlemen um, as we look at other issues that dominated the Newsweek. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show. We are cooking with grease now. Um, we are at the 40th minute mark. Welcome to it. Um, my name is Big Daddy Liberty. I am in studio. I'm so used to saying studio, but uh, I am joined by uh, Joe Emilio, who, of course, is a South African YouTuber and really someone who, ever increasingly, you'll also see a lot on the BDL show. Really awesome guy. Please check out his YouTube channel by just searching Joe Emilio on YouTube, and of course, Jimmy Ramachopa, who is the founder of the CoLab movement, as I mentioned, and also a host of a, um, an online show, Politrix SA. You can also find that on YouTube. Fellas, um, as we maybe shift a little bit gears, um, I want to look at the news week ahead by, by both what's happening right now as we speak and um, where we see things perhaps going um, you know, uh, uh, as, we, as we head into the new week next week. Um, you know, the, 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 there seems to be a growing number of these uh, uh, protest movements, I can call them that, both protest in terms, of, in terms of being online and protesting, and of course, you know, some that are actually taking it to the streets. Um, let me be specific. I mean, right now I'm sort of reading a headline here that uh, there's a group calling themselves Hutfall Citizens who are going to be marching to Lutuli House um, calling for Uramaposa's removal. That's Cyril Ramaposa, the president wow. of the ANC and the country. And let me just quickly read here. Um, the, the group claims that Ramaposa has, quote, sold out the country to his white and foreign friends, uh, close quote. That's already a concern uh, if I see people using race as a means of mobilizing, but anyway. Um, and they say if, if he's not recalled, the ruling, party, uh, st uh, the ruling party stands to lose political power. The national organizer, the last line, the national organizer of the march, a one Mtutuz in Kambule, told the news group on Thursday that Ramaposa must go open quote uh, or face nationwide protest close quote Jimmy what do you think about this is this um, does this sound legit to you or does this sound like ANC factional politics playing out look the the Hartford group if I'm not mistaken um, seem to be um, the, the brown lives matter movement 
if I'm not mistaken, because right, I, 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 I saw some of those group, I think. symbols or some of the same rhetoric uh, in the Cape Town group. Uh, mm. If I'm not mistaken, I, I think they're the same. No, no, no. Look, I think this is um, just using the name, Khadfor. But I, I was going to let uh, Joe just, chip in on that one. Joe, maybe, do you want to quickly come in? Um, well, it's, it's, look, I think any protest that is happening at the moment is, is, a, is a sign that people are getting... <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, of this lockdown. Uh, you have a nearly 50%, or I think it's hit 50% unemployment rates in this country uh, because of the lockdown. The economy is suffering. I know so many people in my circles that have lost their jobs, their livelihoods, the restaurants that they own. Because as a comedian, I used to organize comedy shows at restaurants, and I, I, I became friends with my clients and, and, and the people I worked with. And they've lost their job. They lost. They've lost their livelihood. You know, me as a comedian, I can't. Uh, there's nothing. There's 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 absolutely nothing for me, um, unless I'm uh, a well-known comedian that 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 gets big uh, corporate work. Um, you know, I, it's very hard to to uh, perform or or do a corporate gig or any of that stuff. Um, and and every day that is going by, you can see an increase in the frustration of the everyday citizen in South Africa. People are hurting, families are suffering, and it needs to stop. So I, I am in a way happy to see protests. I just don't agree when they get violent. I don't think violence will solve anything. Uh, I think it will put us in an even more, uh, or divide us even more because then people start talking about it and, and, and yeah, people get hurt. I don't mm. agree with that, um, but I do agree that people have the right to voice their um, their frustrations, and it's 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 Cyril should be should be alarmed right now. He should be he should be he should be shivering in his in his boots. He should be he should be he should be paying attention and listening to the people. Jimmy, I, I want to come back to you because what I was trying to angle at um, is you know do, do you see what these. Uh, as Joe rightly uh, mentions, you know, the, the rising number of people protesting and, and uh, being, quote, hard for. Do you see mm-hmm. um, a, a similarity between the uh, Zuma must go uh, unified type protests or are, are these protests, as I see them perhaps, because they're all, they're all from very different corners and, and hookies, are, are you seeing maybe mm-hmm. some factional politics play and some guys with other agendas, or are these also a united front, as we saw under Zuma Moscow? What, what are your views on this? Look, there will always be uh, people with um, agendas within any movement. That's what I've noticed over the years. Even legitimate movements. You can have a, a movement that uh, advocates for the rights of people of color or the rights of farmers or the rights of uh, the LGBTQI plus community. Uh, But within the totally legitimate uh, concerns that are raised within um, those particular movements, there will always be people who come in and overtake it. And this happens all the time, especially when you try to formalize movements and you try to create organizations out of movements as we have seen, like with the Black Lives Matter movement, all of a sudden there's an organization that supposedly uh, represents the, the views and they have their own um, agendas uh, behind them. You know, the, mm. the, the cause, the founding cause is legitimate. But when organizations start coming in and people start coming in 
and leaders will want to come in and sort of like place themselves as custodians of such movements, that's when you have the problems, right? So I wouldn't be surprised that even the heartful movement that's emerging right now, I wouldn't be surprised if it it is overtaken by a in inverted commas, more formalized type of people with uh, hidden agendas. The same thing that happened with the Zuma Must Fall, uh, the EFF jumped on, onto the bandwagon. Uh, the same thing that happened with uh, uh, Fees Must Fall. Fees Must Fall, when it started, the initial uh, uh, protests were a group of students from all backgrounds, from all races. And, 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 and sure, there were student protests before um, the, 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 the infamous one, but um, when the fees must fall really broke out, the main concern was with the high increase in terms of the, the, the student fees. And everyone was concerned about that. But soon after, it was soon overtaken by the likes of the EFF student command, who just turned it into chaos and just turned it uh, violent. So it, it, the, that, that's my only concern when, 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 when you talk about uh, movements, when you talk about uh, people organizing, when you talk about... Um, protests is that more often than not they become hijacked by people with mm-hmm. personal agendas guys mm-hmm. I, I must look at one more thing because I'm, I'm pressed for time we have about two minutes um, but i want you guys to get a word in 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 excuse me on each of these issues the issue of schools opening and reopening uh, opening and reclosing and opening again what are your thoughts on this i don't know if any of you have children yourselves in school but um joe what are your thoughts on, on this well, I, I don't have kids, but I, I know people with kids. And uh, the thing is, like, I, I, it's been shown that kids are not as susceptible to this uh, pandemic as, as people think, and they should be allowed to go to school. Uh, there's no reason, I think, to to end or stop school at all. Um, there seems to be a great group of parents that want their kids to go to school. But, I mean, even even having said that, um, there are many ways in which kids can still be involved in school with the online platforms that are available and all that stuff. So um, that's that's what really confuses me because some schools have actually gone online and yet we're closing the schools. It doesn't that part doesn't make sense to me. Um, but again, I don't have kids, so I, I I feel like my opinion is limited on this on this issue. Sorry, Jimmy, your view because I think as Joe says, you know the, the evidence points that kids are not as susceptible to this virus as as being told your thoughts yeah on, on a personal level i've never had a problem with kids going back to school mm-hmm. uh, my younger brother um is in matric he goes to school mm-hmm. um there's no issue whatsoever because the the the, the data suggests that the risks is are much less mm-hmm. uh for, for for kids going to school yeah mm-hmm. and again maybe it's a closing thought from my side i i, I and i might pick this up in in uh, the show on wednesday there seems to be some politicians who are using this issue as a a something to mobilize under and, and scaremonger, um, which just adds mm. to the confusion perhaps for, for ordinary parents. But yo, guys, I have run out of time. Um, I must thank both of you for joining me on the show. And again, I think you guys are going to become a, a bit of a regular um, in terms of revolving voices I have uh, to provide analysis on the show. Let me thank both Joe and Jimmy. Um, Jimmy, of course, is the co-founder, or excuse me, the founder of the CoLab movement and Politrix SA. And of course, Joe Emilio, South African YouTuber and the host of the Joe Emilio Show, who I really encourage you to search out on YouTube. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you.
Awesome, guys. After the break, we end off the show by looking at this week's Momish of the Week. But uh, yeah, interesting conversation with those two lads. And again, I, I reiterate, these are two guys who are going to become, um, amongst other voices uh, that provide analysis, regulars on the BDL podcast. Um, and I just want to thank them both. Remember, this show will be podcasted. It will be available from about 12 p.m. today onwards on all your favorite podcast streams from Spotify, uh, Apple, um, Iono, you name it. And of course, I will upload it onto my YouTube and Facebook pages. Um, with that being said, as we always end off the show, who is the Moomish of the week, the loser of the week? And it has to go to the, the people who, who always make it incredibly difficult in this country <laughs> to conduct business or just go about your daily lives. You know, they, they contribute greatly to the uh, traffic jams in South Africa. They contribute greatly to candle sales in South Africa. I'm talking, of course, about ESCOM. Yes, that's right. The power utility in this country, the sole provider effectively of electricity, the government entity that we call ESCOM, the absolute terrible behemoth of a monster that, you know, you would think um, with having the sole power to provide electricity in an economy like ours, that you'd be making a booming trade. It clearly isn't the case. In fact, they're even struggling to provide electricity. ESCOM announcing this week that it was uh, plunging South Africa back again into stage two load shedding. Um, and the misery that comes with that. You know, in some parts of the country, you sit for four hours without electricity. In others, you know, for two. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane that we continue to put up with a power utility in this country that is unable to do its one and only job. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a bit like having a taxi and a taxi driver, and then that taxi driver telling you, you know, I actually can't drive a taxi. Uh, it's, it's weird. It is absolutely weird that we put up with this and that we've begun to normalize it. And that's the danger of living in a society where you, you accept that the state should have a legitimate role in doing things. As that state continuously fails to do that thing, as is the case with ESCOM, what we do as people is, you know, we, we sort of gradually um, shift our expectations to be in line with the declining service. So you're now seeing people not even complain about load shedding. You know, we should sort of adapt around it, even as the service continues to degrade further and further. So Mumish of the Week has to go to ESCOM. Um, what a loser indeed they are. Uh, guys, with that being said, let me thank every single one of you uh, for joining me on this week's show. Remember, the Big Daddy Liberty Show, the podcast, is syndicated here on High FM and will soon be on other radio stations, please God. And with that being said, let me wish all of you a fantastic Shabbos on this area of Shabbos. And... Um, I'm hoping your Shabbat will be peaceful and restful. I know I'm looking forward to Shabbos. So Shabbat Shalom to you guys. And uh, I will see you next week, Friday, on the Big Daddy Liberty Show. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys will have a fantastic weekend. Goodbye. <laughs>